If you are a fan of the Dive Bar Rockstar podcast and would like to help support the show, there's a great way that you can do that and start a new fashion trend. We have a new merchandise page on the website which features t-shirts and hoodies that are available for sale on Amazon. Just click on merchandise in the top menu and all of the links will be there or go directly to divebarrockstar.com slash merchandise. Get started early on your Christmas shopping at divebarrockstar.com. Welcome to the Dive Bar Rockstar Podcast, a show exploring the lives of professional musicians of all types, touring musicians, recording artists, songwriters, engineers, bar bands, wedding bands, and anyone making their living in the music industry. Whether you've dreamed of being a professional or you already are one, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Eric Baines, and I hope that you not only find some entertainment here, but also some helpful tips, trade secrets, and ideas that will help you achieve your dreams. Well, I'm not sure what number we're on, but we're on yet another lockdown here in LA, a stay-at-home order, and COVID continues to just totally screw up everything. So, you know, it's probably providing you a lot of good cozy space to listen to a podcast. So maybe that's what you're doing right now, and I will try my best to entertain you probably for the next hour and a half if you're if you're up for it. <laughs> so um, here we go. Let's just get into it. My guest today is a multi-instrumentalist in a very true sense of the word. He sometimes can be found playing more than one instrument at a time even, and I don't mean just playing drums. He excels at many instruments, including guitar, keyboards, bass, drums, saxophone, and he sings like a bird. He's toured with Survivor, The Babies, Great White, Denny Lane, Eagles of Death Metal, L.A. Guns, just to name a few. He's also a composer and an orchestrator for a couple of really cool shows um, like uh, Cirque Musica and A Night of Symphonic Rock and Rewind, which is music of the 80s. And he toured last summer with a really cool Prince Orchestra tribute show. He's also in the house band of the world-famous Whiskey A Go-Go, Ultimate Jam Night, which used to happen on Tuesday nights in Hollywood before everything uh, shut down because of COVID. And hopefully he will again once everything is cool. And he's got a YouTube channel uh, where, among other things, he'll do covers and play all the instruments and, and film himself. And he picks really neat covers. Uh, it's definitely worth checking out. Sometimes he even has guests, and we're working on one. So keep an eye out for that in the near future. Um, anyway, he's, a, he's an amazing guy, and he's an incredible musician. So please enjoy my conversation with Walter Eno. You are like the ultimate utility guy. You play so many instruments and, and you play them at a high level, like probably more than any utility guy that I know. You know, most people have their main thing and then they kind of do this and they kind of do that. You've got a few main things, like you, you know, keys, guitar, vocals, for sure. Drums, bass, saxophone, very odd thing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm the best sax player in the world. <laughs> but you can play it. You can get a tone. It's in tune. <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw you playing stand-up bass on, on Facebook the other day. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was just, that just so happened. I was filling in on a gig for, for keyboards 
from my friend who has got a Johnny Cash show, Sean Barker, Man in Black show. Oh, cool. Um, he's, you know, based out of Vegas, or he was based out of Vegas. Now he's in Branson because of the pandemic. Got but uh, they kept a few shows on the books, and uh, usually I, I, I filled in on the show before just on keyboards, which is a great gig for me because there's hardly any keyboards <laughs> on, on, and it's awesome. I just get to chill out and go to different cities and play a few songs. A couple, there's a song on harmonica too. But then uh, bass player, Shane Solosky, mm-hmm. uh, got sick. The we the two days before we had to leave. Oh wow! And they didn't have any. You know, Sean, he's like, "Oh, I need you to fill on a bass." I'm like, "All right," but he's like, uh, "Do you think you could do some of the key stuff that are important while you do it?" I'm like, "Sure." So, <laughs> so I'm playing. You know, I'm trying. It's all Johnny Cash, a one five one, right? And I'm playing all these string lines, whatever, with my right hand. And they're like, "I can't." You know, it's it's it was a fun challenge, but having not played for real for since the since the pandemic hit it's like that was quite a challenge and then right. there's, a, there's a middle this the section in the middle where where they play they go back backwards in the show in johnny cass's career and start with the upright like the, the trio the tennessee trio right so i'm sitting there and they provide the back line and i've messed around on the upright you know before mm-hmm. but i'm never i'm like can't can't say that i'm a player but you know <laughs> we got there uh, and did for, for for line check, and that's the first time I played an upright. Wow! And it was great, you know. L- luckily, my I still, you know, my my ear was working, so right. that's all I slide it up a little bit to get to, to get intonated. But yeah, because it's, it's a fun. Different beast. Uh, my I was my hands were tired after that. Oh man! And yeah, fingers bleeding. Yeah. I mean, how much of the show did you have to play? It's three songs. But, uh, yeah, but, but that still. could do it. Oh, it was tough, man. <laughs> but it, I. Accept the challenge. I, I I I like like learning instruments. I was a bored kid, I guess. Yeah. So where did it start? You started on. It started in Pittsburgh. In uh, um, I started on piano. My two older brothers were in uh, piano lessons, and uh, I guess whenever I was five, I started. I wasn't really taking lessons, but I was kind of mimicking them mm-hmm. while they were taking lessons, and so my parents. Who, who who are musical as well. And my grandmother was a piano teacher in the Philippines and it started there. And, uh, and I guess I started officially taking a piano lesson at six and then, uh, they kind of quit. I kept on going for a little bit. And then, uh, you know, elementary school, you get asked if you want to play in a band and concert band. So I picked the saxophone because my brother was playing trumpet already. And my other brother was playing clarinet and that. So I, picked up a saxophone and I played it all through, you know, up to, up to my senior year in high school. You know, I started getting interested in music from that point on. Basically there was always music in the house. Like you said, right. you, uh, I talk about the Beatles a lot and I talk about Elvis because that's what was in my house all the time. Got my parents, it. yeah, would, would listen to Beatles records and I, they had the Beatles collection on rec on vinyl and I, that's what I grew up on. So that's where I, I got to hear harmonies and right. uh, learn arrangements and stuff. But then uh, 14, that's when I got a guitar. And because uh, my old, you know, because my older brothers again, mm. my oldest brother was, he got into synthesizers. And, and then my other brother, my middle brother, he started playing drums. So let's start a, you know, the Jackson family band. <laughs> so, so initially my dad wanted to buy me a bass. So he bought himself a bass thinking, I guess it'd be like, yeah, you know, whatever the, the Partridge family. <laughs> right. And, uh, 
basically what happened was my my uh, my brother my the middle brother my brother the closest to me we ended up just jamming every night mm-hmm. we would pick an album and just try to figure it out and oh, that's cool and he played drums and i played guitar because he had some good friends of his that played guitar and bass as well and that's how it started basically yeah yeah and to this day i can play rush's exit stage left album from beginning to end because of because of that wow yeah that's crazy yeah and that the, yeah that's the music you start with that's 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 a good foundation it's weird like I, <laughs> it, it was that was a weird thing it was it was my oldest brother he turned me on to rush yeah. even before i played it a guitar so which one would you say was like your best what do you feel the most comfortable on instrument instrument yeah i think it all depends on the gig you know yeah like mm. i would say because for a long time i quit playing keyboards oh really yeah i mean i would play but i wouldn't play professionally mm. i wasn't till I, I, I really wanted to take guitar seriously for a long time and when i taught Right after high school, I never went to college. I almost went, I got accepted to Berkeley, but never went. I broke my hand. I was skateboarding as a kid. Oh. And uh, when I was 19, and then I was like, well, I can't play guitar and that sucks because that's all I want to do. So, wow. so I basically gave up every instrument except for maybe bass and practiced guitar religiously to get to build up my hand for a while. So then I, I guess, yes, that, it would be that. Mm. But then, like I said, it depends on the gig. If somebody says, well, let's, you know, play some standards. I'm like, no, I, right. that's, you know, I mean, I could fake some, but it's like, it's not my strongest suit. And I could probably read charts better on piano than, right. you know, so it all depends, like I said, on the gig and piano, I was never really the improviser or whatever. Cause I studied classical piano as a kid. And then I would learn Beatles songs by reading music and stuff. Mm. So my strong suit with keyboards is learning parts and playing them. Um, I'm not much of a, jammer or somebody says let's just open up i mean i i try <laughs> but i could I, right. uh, honestly say it's not my strongest so i don't know i, I guess guitar oh. okay that's cool yeah there's no right or wrong answer man you, i you, mean you'll pass but i could say bass too because i i, <laughs> yeah. I, I love just don't say that around me no I mean, yeah, I mean, I, just because I, you know, another because of your ability, just because you, you know, you're, there's another guy taking my gigs. I consider, you know, I consider myself the best bass player in LA. No, you might be, no. you might be. I'm just saying. Yeah, right. Can't you just stick to guitar? Because you're really good at that too. <laughs> no, but have you met half the guitar players yeah, in the city? Know, there, right. there's, so, there's so many good, great players that it makes me feel like I need to practice or or, or just quit. You know. So well, that's honestly why I moved here. Because I wanted to get my ass kicked on a regular basis. Yeah, you know, I wanted to be in this kind of thing where you can't really rest. Yeah. You know, you got to keep your chops up and you got to, you know, it's uh, it's exhilarating and scary all at the same time, especially when it's your living. I mean, yes. But the good thing is, is there's community here. And yeah. there has been community here. Um, you look at, drummers it's like they yeah there's the drum hangs and then mm. you know i see some bass hangs or this and that every once in a while it's like that's a great community because if you can't do something then you, you recommend it to somebody else that does what you do or does right. what you do better or your or needs the work whatever so that it's been a, it's been a, a good thing uh for me to witness mm-hmm. uh since i moved here so that's cool yeah. so how is the music community in pittsburgh 
I mean, were you a part of the scene out there before you came out here? I was in a way for anybody listening in Pittsburgh, you might remember some of the stuff, but, Mm -hmm. um, the, you know, there was a, in the nineties when I was kind of just getting going, um, there was a pretty cool scene. Pittsburgh had its thing. It was, but at the same time, it was very competitive. Like Mm. there was a lot of trash talking, your band, this and that from what I remember, but I was always Switzerland with all this stuff. I was always Mm-hmm. Uh, friends with everybody in bands, right? But uh, and now and now it's like from what I hear, it's well, so much cooler. But Pittsburgh had a great scene. Um, there was bands like Rusted Root who who uh, who uh, made it big and p- paved the way for later on. You know, later on for bands like us, I, I started off playing this band called Seventh House. Actually, before that, when I was in high school, uh, there was a guy a couple years older than me. His name was Scott Reebling. He went to Berkeley and started this band called Letters to Cleo, which became big. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he left Pittsburgh, he knew that I wanted to kind of play. And he actually demoed, he recorded one of my early high school band stuff. And he got, he really wanted to get in production. So then he gave me his gigs when he left. So there was a band called Nixon Clocks. So I was a bass player in the first bigger band that I played with in Pittsburgh. And I was 14 playing, gotcha. pl- playing bars. Wow. And then, um, because of him, I wanted to keep on doing it, basically. And he he actually gave me a lot of his old books from Berkeley. So I was kind of a nerd when it came to that stuff. It led me to playing with another with my friend, uh, uh, Matt Muckle. He's a drummer that was out here for a while. He's back in Pittsburgh. And he asked me to play with this other band that he was in called The Left. And that was a guitar gig. So I played guitar for that. And then next thing you know, he quit that band and joined this band called Seventh House, which had kind of had a, a name already going around Pittsburgh. And so when their guitar player quit, he's like, I got the guy. And by this point, I'm 19-ish, 19 and a half. Yeah, over 19 years old. And then we started building a following. We would sell out, you know, just from that point, from 90, whatever year this was, uh, we started just kind of hitting the streets, you know, doing mm-hmm. doing doing the um, flyer. Mm-hmm. And all these kids would come out to see us play. And, you know, 300 people show up. Next thing you know, 500 people show up. Next thing you know, 1,000 people show up. And then we'd, we'd space it out every three months or six months and have a sellout shows and, you know, started getting interest when it comes to to labels and whatever. Right. So, you know, and I was never playing covers or anything. I was doing nothing but originals. Oh, cool. With, with bands I was in. Right. The radio station started playing some of the stuff we were in. The lo- back, back then, it wasn't so corporate. So program directors could could pick and choose what they wanted to play. We started getting hooked up with managers and uh, other booking agents from outside that city. So then we'd trade shows with other big bands from other cities, like Fuel was from Harrisburg. Mm. So we they'd come to Pittsburgh and open for us, and we'd go to Harrisburg and open for them, or we'd go um, down to Virginia. And you know, from that area in Pittsburgh, it's like a pretty good diameter. We played Cleveland a lot. We played Philly. We played um, Erie and harrisburg and dc and baltimore so gotcha. it was kind of a cool little thing yeah and to the point we, where we would play every monday in, at cbgb's in new york city wow and labels would come and then we you know it was some crazy stuff you know we would do crazy things where we would rent buses like we would charter a bus you know and bring up 50 kids from from <laughs> pittsburgh and I, cool. I, I won't tell any of those stories because those bus those bus stories are legendary, <laughs> uh, just stuff that shouldn't be happening when you're on a bus. Right. But um, 
you know, we would just do showcases and yeah. up, finally 99, we signed a record deal and, and, uh, which you could still do in the nineties. You, you could. <laughs> that so, stuff still happened back yeah, then. Yeah. It was, it's a different time, you know, you know, when it, yeah. you know, when it comes to. And the East coast too, it's like, like you just described, there's so many places to play. It's a smaller. It was great. I, I grew up in Denver, even more isolated, but even LA, there's not, a, it's hard to tour out of here. Yeah. There's like, there's Vegas. San, San Francisco, yeah. San Diego, kind of, you know, like exactly. they're not big music towns, whereas you've got a lot of large cities and within four hours of each other. And, that, and, that, and that's what was great back then because they were all rock town, you know, they, have, yeah. they all had their version of the, of K-Rock, I guess, back then. Right. Uh, it was the X's, the X radio station over on the East Coast. And mm-hmm. so we would do like morning shows in Harrisburg on uh, play at six in the morning, trying yeah. to play music, at, you know, for these radio shows. And, yeah. And it was, it was great. And you know, that's, that's where things started. And then, uh, and, and, and after 99, we moved to New York. That's basically where the label was and where, mm-hmm. um, it, it was, it, that's is where I started getting into, uh, you know, cause I was focusing on guitar but then I would record, you know, my own stuff at home, just kind of write stuff too, separately from the band. Mm. And uh, three months before we signed the record deal, the drummer quit. Uh-huh. So we got this deal and, uh, and this Atlantic Records based uh, thing, uh, it was a label called Blackbird, which was on Sire before, but then they moved to Atlantic. So, you know, they, we were one of the first bands for them on Atlantic. And then... Um, we didn't have a full band. It was just a duo now. Right. And, and as we're shopping for producers, they're like, well, what producers, what albums do you like? Well, who, who would you want to produce the record? So I started checking out all these different producers and albums. Um, we got a great guy, a guy out of DC, uh, Jimmy Burt. He's still awesome. And I learned a lot from that, from him. And, uh, but I ended up playing drums on the record too. <laughs> so... <laughs> it was it was it was one of those things where just two two of us so they're like what play play the drums so i wow. played i played drums guitars and and some keys on the on that record and sang, sang the background vocals so when did you get your sights on la and what brought you i've out always here? i mean that band took me out here mm-hmm. i i i played out here we played house of blues with uh which isn't there anymore which isn't there anymore we, uh the one in hollywood and then we played the Viper Room. I mean, we played a couple. There was a play. There was was Hard Rock. Was they had a they had a venue somewhere else in L.A. Was it the Beverly Center? Hmm. Oh yeah, we that's played. Right. We yeah. played the Hard Rock Cafe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the Beverly Center too. And then we did. I forgot about that. I forget. We did some other gigs and you know warp tours and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, out here. So L.A. kind of called my. You know, I I I would visit a lot when I was a kid because my cousins were out here. And I always loved it and I always knew that I would eventually come out and have a DeLorean and go back in time <laughs> at the Twin Pines Mall. <laughs> That's, that was my goal, man. I, I, that was my thing. <laughs> I, I loved Marty McFly. <laughs> so, you know, I always wanted to. I mean, and then I was in Pittsburgh. You know, I was married before. I got married in 2005. Mm. Uh, you know, by that point, the band was broken up. Uh, record deal was lost. Well, basically, in 2001, Time Warner and AOL merged, big mm-hmm. corporations. Mm-hmm. And this is all right. stuff I I never had to think about in my life. Right. But then all of a sudden, I did. Uh, so whenever Time Warner and AOL merged, who are and Time and Time Warner's mother 
company to Atlantic Records. Right. They're like, who are the bands that aren't doing crap? Mm. Uh, let's get rid of them. So Time we were dropped. Trim the fat. Yeah, we were. We they, we were. I was definitely the fat. <laughs> and then uh, so we were shopping. You know, we had a great team. We had a great uh, lawyer, and that was uh, talking to labels for us. And in September of that year, we were getting ready to ink a deal with Geffen mm-hmm. Records. And uh, so we met at his office on Monday, September 10th, 2001. Uh, oh, 9-11 hit the next day, and we didn't hear from anybody for six months. Wow. So, and that's, by that point, we were just like, and I, I, we hated each other by that point. We, yeah. uh, the band was so sick of each other, or at least I was, I couldn't take some things. Mm-hmm. So I was ready to kind of bust out. So I went back home to Pittsburgh in uh, 2000, late 2002. Mm-hmm. I rode my motorcycle home and just stayed. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and you know, and the girl I was with at the time, she was a flight attendant and this and that. And, but after 9-11, took a furlough. So we all went back to Pittsburgh. And uh, that's when I started my own, my, my own original stuff in 2003 and focused on that. Started my own little label. Oh, cool. Um, released two records and toured around a little bit, played with some great bands, took it to Europe and oh, cool. just some, some tiny little mm-hmm. victories for myself just because it was, I wrote the first record in two weeks Wow! and uh, found a band to play with there in Pittsburgh who I still love and they're still my friends and brothers and music, but I still kept in touch with people in LA and this and that, wah, wah, out bands. And by that point I was getting, they were like, you should come out to LA, this guy, Barry Squire, I'm sure everyone in LA, <laughs> LA knows who he is. You got to get on his radar, especially now that you're doing a keyboard and guitar. So I flew out. Vanessa Carlton needed a guitar player for this European thing. And uh, so I somehow set up the thing. I forget if I just cold called Barry or something. I'm like, hey, I'm, <laughs> I'm in Pittsburgh. Or somebody told him about me and said, and said uh, expect a call from me or whatever. I forget how it worked out. Mm-hmm. Next thing I know, I f- I'm flying from Pittsburgh to LA to audition for Vanessa and everything went well. It was great. And it was like, uh, the, uh, I got to meet, you know, the band was awesome. Uh, Nate, Nate Morton was on drums and oh, cool. Sasha was on bass and they, you know, of course they ended up on the voice right. after that. Right. But they were, they, they said, yeah, I think you're the guy for the gig. It's gonna be great. Next thing you know, they canceled the, the tour uh, because she was focused on something else. So I never, I never did it. So I was like, well, I'm not going to move to LA and, mm. you know, cause I was focusing on what, different things at the time. I, that, that's when I, I was really focused on writing right. my, my own stuff at the time. So I didn't really just kind of want to be a hired hand at the time. But then after I started getting hired to do stuff, with as a utility guy, that's when I, uh, it, uh, maybe five years later, that's when I was like, okay, maybe I should. So then I flew back out to LA a couple of times. Uh, somebody called me for, for Barry called or something. They're like, you got to try out for the offspring. Mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, okay. So <laughs> I flew out to LA and tried out for the offspring. I mean, I, there wasn't a lot of people that did it. I guess I heard, of course I didn't get it, but it was great. It was like, okay, I think I could start doing this now. My head's getting in the game. So then uh, they were like, maybe, uh, I think pink or something like that was, was doing an audition. So I flew out. I didn't obviously didn't get that, but it just <laughs> turned into, uh, it was one of those things. I remember this exactly because, uh, I wasn't living here. I was kind of going through a tumultuous time at home. So I'm like, I'm just going to see what's going on out here. Uh, they're like, and my friend Matt was still living here at the time. And he's like, well, let's go out. Let's see what's happening. And so, uh, at the time, uh, 
I forget that what they called that band, but Stephen Perkins and Eric Dover and Gilby Clark, <laughs> they were playing as play, uh, the, the Dragonfly. And uh, I'm like, let's go. So we went out and, and uh, it changed, that would change my life a little bit. And because I met Shane, my friend Shane Soloski there, who, uh, who, who you know. Yeah. And uh, studio owner, bass player. Yep. Extraordinary. He's one of the, one of, one of, one, one of the reasons why I'm working out here because he, he was like, he knew, uh, I'll, to make the story short, we met at the Dragonfly and uh, towards the end of the night, he's like, oh, man, I got to go to Poland in a week. I'm like, what are you doing there? He's like, you know, I do this cover gig. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> it's like this three, three week gig with uh, this girl, Jenny Galt, who, who was on the Rockstar in Excess or Supernova, one of those shows that, that, was, that was happening at the time. Mm-hmm. She was a singer. And then he was like, man, do you know anybody that plays guitar and sings? I'm like, I do. He, I don't think he knew I was a musician at the time. Right. I'm like, I do that. He's like, and he asked my friend Matt. He's like, does that? Did you do that? He's like, yeah, yeah. He's great. And so, next thing you know, a week and a half from that night, I'm on a plane. I meet Shane in Chicago, and I spend three weeks with him in in Poland. Wow. And and it was a learning experience for me. And he's Whoa. and he was like, you got to come to LA, dude, because you'll get work. That so, is so, cool. so, uh, we did one more of those. I think I was still in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, a couple months later and it's great gig. It's fun. Uh, it was just a stupid, uh, hotel gig. Yeah. And it was awesome. And because it was at the Sheraton in Warsaw, Poland, which was one of the most amazing cities on the planet. Yeah. And if you've never been to I, Warsaw, go, it's beautiful, yeah. but don't go in the wintertime because it sucks, <laughs> but it's beautiful. The people there are great. I learned a lot and then all these great bands would come in to the hotel and you know so yeah. I'm playing guitar up there and next thing you know Steve Howe's in front of me wow and I was like what are you kidding me <laughs> and he was pointing at me he's like dude you, you, that was a great solo you played I'm like oh my god you're Steve Howe <laughs> so I wow. started I started like I started I got nervous and I started playing the clap like one of you know all these songs that I used to play on from yes mm-hmm. and he kind of he runs up on stage and gives me a big hug and next thing you know he's like what are you doing come to the show uh, oh, it was man. Asia was playing uh at this at the bigger venue of obviously yeah. and so we went it was awesome got wow. hooked up and they were staying at the hotel and i'd see him the next morning he's like walter come sit down let's have coffee you know Jeez. and the same thing happened with this other great band called opeth like heavy band they're awesome <laughs> but they that was a great band that i became friends with and i've seen since and and kept in touch with since uh but it was a great experience. Yeah. So I started. And you're getting, in one place for three weeks. I'm in one place. This is a great thing. It was weird. It was one of the weirdest things for me ever because I never thought I would do anything like that. Yeah. But uh, wow. you know, it's almost like a cruise ship gig. But yeah, you're stuck, and it was weird because. But you get to see the town. You know, you get to kind of really know the town. Yeah, and I did I, for I, so long. I loved. I mean, I thought it was beautiful. I learned the history. We took tours of like, um, uh. What do they call that tour? The resurrection tour or something like that. Because you, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, when I was 14 years old, I was, I went to Russia uh, Mm -hmm. on a, on a little arts scholarship thing, playing, playing, playing classical piano. And I'm thinking I'm going to go to Poland and it's going to be like my trip in Russia where, you know, hygiene's different back then and everything's whatever. And I get there and it's nothing but neon lights and industry and beautiful gardens and this Mm -hmm. and that. And so you learn the history about these cities and it's like, 
they're like, well, everybody in this town is under 40. Like 70% of people are, are under 40 because 40 years ago the war happened. Right. Or whatever, whatever. And, yeah. and all the older people died. Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. like 70% of the city, like you see those walls over there, they're, they're saying it's like, these are everything from this, from that wall up is all brand new. They kept a little bit of the old walls because they were all damaged during the wars. I'm like, oh. right. So yeah. it was, it was, it was, it was a great thing. Yeah. It was really cool. And I love that stuff too. Yeah. Are you a history, history guy? Oh, I, I, not, not really, but yeah. I, 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 I appreciated it. Yeah. You know, cause then, then I took a train to Auschwitz, you know, yeah. and you start learning about, you know, it if you're that close. I did it and it was, eye-opening and mm-hmm. you know i i always hated history but i about like when i was in school yeah but i've always was fascinated by actual events yeah so being in europe like that was great yeah um i played in in uh in hawaii i, I went to pearl harbor yep and hiroshima in the same year oh but, my goodness and that's just do that that's, you know it'll give you a different perspective on 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 history you know when you're like oh pearl harbor tragic horrible hiroshima three thousand people military people mostly yeah then go to hiroshima and like in a second and in a a fraction of a second like yeah eighty thousand people gone a month later one hundred and fifty thousand people gone mostly civilians you know just it was it's but it's the same thing where you you stand in the middle of town and it's huge to yeah. this day, and you look as far as you can see, and they were—it was gone in a fraction of a second. Oh, that's crazy, pretty, pretty, yeah. But uh, but I, I was always sort of a history person, but when you start to travel internationally, it just it gets in you. you well, it's—I it, don't like when people go on tours and don't appreciate the cities they're in. Yeah, it's like why go and spend the night in a hotel or. I'm like, well, let's, you know, I, I was in Boston with the band that I was in for a while. Actually, I shouldn't even say their name because they're like, they're like fancy, mis- you know, they would, you know, they, they wrote the Eye of the Tiger. Anyways. <laughs> well, you got to say their name is the next on the list to talk was about. Was it? Okay. <laughs> we don't have to. Okay. But it's like one of those things where it's like, <laughs> uh, we could talk about it, but it's okay. one of those things where, uh, you know, I'm like, I'm going to go, we're in Boston. I'm going to go get some chowder. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. And they're like, no, nah, we're going to say it. I'm just going to say it and grab a salad at the bar. I'm like, I'm in Boston, man. Right. Like, you, can get a, you can get a salad, salmon salad anywhere or whatever. <laughs> exactly. So one of those type of things. History. Oh, I, I know. So because of Shane, he, uh, Solosky, the you know, wine stuff, he's like, you got to come to LA. I moved to L, uh, Huntington Beach, California. I was teaching at a music school at Fountain Valley. Uh, having and, never gone to college. No, never wow. went to college. But I, I taught music music stores for. I mean, I, I in Pittsburgh, I had like sixty students a week, wow. like just just uh, teaching. Gotcha. And so I, 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 yeah, I never so you had a resume. I had a resume, but I, yeah, like I said, I was. Yeah, you're right. I never went to college, and, <laughs> and I, you know, a lot of me thought, well, maybe I shouldn't. You know, are they going to trust me? So I, I did have to try out for the the lady. She's like, you know, gotcha. because I was teaching coaching bands, teaching guitar, uh, voice, and piano. And, uh, and this, the lady that ran that school was, uh, like a Russian virtuoso. And so she's like, can what, just play down or sit down and play something or can you read this? And, and of course I messed it up, but they hired me anyways. <laughs> well, so you got to LA. I got to, yeah, I got and, to Orange County. I got to, right. yes. I was living in uh, Huntington beach in my tiny little apartment teaching at this school and Shane 
kept in touch with me and he's like, Hey man, you got to come out this and that. Uh, we play this bar in Huntington beach every Sunday night, this place called Killarney's and it's Eric Dover. I'm like, I know, man, I've heard, oh, wow. I've seen Eric Dover play. So it's me and Eric Dover and Mitchell Sigmund on keyboards and just come hang out and sit in. We'll, we'll, we'll have you come up and sing a song with us. I'm like, cool. So uh, Sunday nights. So I, I started showing up there every Sunday. Oh, that's cool. And uh, next thing, next thing I know, I'm sitting in, singing, playing. A month and a half later, basically, from when I moved in, uh, Mitchell Akiwa player is like, I'm moving to Vegas. I'm doing this thing. I'm focusing on this project that I have going on in Vegas. Um, but I can't do this tour of the band I'm in, uh, the band Survivor. Do you want to fill in? I'm like, sure. I could, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, I remember the, 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 I remember two, I remember two songs right. from them. <laughs> and so I, uh, learned the songs and, uh, next thing you know, I'm on stage with them and I never, and Robin McCauley, sweetheart singer was in, was singing for the band at the time and, uh, played the Alameda County Fair that June. So within three months, I'm, uh, I played that gig and, and next thing you know, I get a call from, from Mitch, God bless him. He's like, Hey man, I heard that, uh, you took the gig. Whoa. I'm like, I never said anything. <laughs> I'm like, what? You know, he said, take it. That's, wow. that's, uh, you know, they want you, you did a great job. You know, I can't focus on that right at the time. I'm, I want to focus on the thing I'm working on at the time. You know, I said, really? And, uh, he said, take it do it. It's going to be good. So next thing you know, I'm in that band and it was a wonderful band. I mean, I, it, it took me great places, brought, it introduced me to a lot of great people. Yeah. Um, Rob McCauley, the original singers are on David Bickler, uh, for Survivor and mm -hmm. Jimmy Jameson. Who and passed. you were in it with Jimmy Jameson as well, right? Yes. I am the only keyboard player that played, I mean, they had dozens or dozens of keyboard players in that band. Mm -hmm. I'm the only one that played with all of the singers. Wow, that's pretty from, cool. From uh, Rob McCauley, David Bickler, Jimmy Jameson, and uh, the new kid, Cameron. His name's Cameron. Cameron. Uh, and so I'm. I've been. I'm the only keyboard that played with keyboards wow. that played with the, played with all the singers. That's cool. He did great. It was it yeah. was it was fun. So, and how many shows a year was? They probably did maybe thirty five. Yeah, gotcha. I mean, the first year was my. I might have been ten uh, when I was in with them. Might have done twenty, and then it started. Got so you. that was Robin, and then next thing you know, Jimmy's back in the band, and so they started booking a couple more. So it was like thirty five, and then the next year after that, they're like, "We got to get Jimmy and David in the band." The guys that both right. sang the hits. So David sang "I the Tiger," and Jimmy mm -hmm. sang the battle of the high on you and surges over uh, but which was great that which was really good that's when we went to europe yeah uh, 2013 we went you know did a lot of great shows with a lot of amazing bands and we always played with amazing bands but mm. um yeah and then jimmy died in 2014 uh, and uh yeah we uh were playing in san francisco the night before and we all went home because we had a week off and we were going to, you know, it was basically weekends. Mm -hmm. uh, and so like, sometimes we'd have a week or two off and next thing you know, we were supposed, he's like, see you in Denver. And, uh, next thing you know, he didn't wake up. Uh, so that, and that, wow. that, so that gave us about a year off. Yeah. And uh, while we, they were trying to do stuff. And that for me was, was, was kind of interesting time for me because I got calls, uh, which were really awesome. Mm. but at the same time heartbreaking you know i got the call for to audition for you know uh the the band that wrote barracuda 
um, <laughs> and these dreams and stuff. And uh-huh. It was great. It was one of those things I met. I, I started, I, I, that's when I, I, you know, I started going out again, thinking mm-hmm. I, I better start networking in case something right. happens. Right. So I started showing up at this place called the Kibitz Room mm-hmm. and got, became friends with those guys immediately. And uh, my friend Dan was like, what are you doing tomorrow? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, learn these songs, show up. So they called four, four keyboard players and um, I thought I, it was great, but it was heartbreaking. I, I thought I had it. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it was just one of those learning experiences. Yeah. But it, it gave me some time to, to do some stuff. I, I played, started playing with Denny Lane right, oh, right cool. after that, um, which is now, now we're talking my roots. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. My only picture on the walls, besides yeah. myself, of course, <laughs> is um, Paul McCartney. I thought, I thought that was me for a second. No. Signed uh, by his hand. That's great. So he actually signed it to you? No. Oh, okay. I thought My maybe. wife bought it at an auction, but that was my wedding gift why from, say, from my wife. Why so. does it say Pablo? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's amazing. Um so yeah, uh, that, that was a dream. Like that was awesome. Yeah. I got uh, my friend Brian Brian Pottier uh, called me right. up. Do you know Brian? Well, yeah, because I I did a gig with Peter Asher. Well, there you go. And so and because guys are, be, because yeah. of because of that, I, I got the backup Peter Asher. I got the backup yeah. Terry Alexander from the uh, the the Hollies, right, and, right, and the Archies and all these great artists. Yeah. And uh, it was it was awesome. I mean, and and yeah. and the first thing I did was we did the Band on the Run tour. So we started we played Band on the Run from top to bottom Jeez. which was amazing for me that's because so cool. now you're talking my language that's right. that's that's my stuff i i love anything mccartney does yeah and uh for the most part right and uh and and just hanging out with denny and hearing stories it just yeah. uh it made me feel good at, yeah. at a really kind of a dark time for and for me and uh it was great you know and then i you know other gigs started popping up Played bass for Jack Ross for Great White. Oh yeah, uh, for a few gigs on, on a bio. Yeah, it was you know, and they're like, "Do you want to join the band?" I'm like, and that's when and Survivor started calling again. Mm. I'm like, ah, I better not because I I've already had my you know my thing with these guys, and so you know, then the right guy got it. You know, yeah. I, it wasn't particularly my my right. Yeah, I actually you know um, musicians contact. Do you know about that? Uh, no, I don't. So it's a well, it's a website now. But when I first moved here, it's a, it's a basically a networking thing where you, it, when I first moved here, it was all on the phone. Yeah. So you would dial in and leave a message, and then you'd like play a little piece of your demo, you know, onto the phone. Are you and serious? It, and it would put it on an answering service. Wow! And people who were, you know, you paid a, a monthly fee to stay on there, and you could also check gig listings uh, over the phone. Now it's all on a website, but one of them was. Jack Russell when I first moved out here. And, really? And I was kind of the same thing. It was like, I had other things going on and it wasn't really my thing, but it would have been cool. But then there's something else just popped up. And I saw uh, another friend of mine had moved here from Denver and I was like, here, go check this out to get this gig. It'd be forever. Anyways, probably a year and a half before the tragedy, you know, like yep. friends of mine were on that gig oh boy. And, and, or had just got off the gig as well. Like it, it was just one of those things where I'm the kind of guy that when I get a gig, I stay on a gig, yeah. you know what I mean? So yeah. who knows, you know, I feel like in a way I dodged a bullet. You know? Yeah. That's, um, that's crazy. But, um, 
But that was that's interesting that that you did it as well on base. <laughs> on on base, yeah, it was it was fun. I love those guys. I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they're still friends. I'm a So there are a lot of us out of work right now, uh, waiting to get back to playing shows and touring. And I know I've had to do whatever I can do to take my mind off the situation from time to time. And one of the ways to pass the time is to catch up on some books you've missed. But if you're like me and you don't love to read, <laughs> there's another way you can consume. Audible.com has thousands of titles to choose from, including audiobooks about music production, songwriting, the music business, music theory, instructional audiobooks, and biographies of your favorite musical heroes. But besides audiobooks, you can also listen to podcasts, theatrical performances, A-list comedy, and exclusive audio originals you won't find anywhere else. Right now, you can get a free 30-day trial if you visit audibletrial.com slash dive bar rockstar that's audibletrial.com slash dive bar rockstar and you can catch up on your audio reading i'd like to take a second to thank you for listening to the dive bar rockstar podcast as a new podcast getting the word out is a vital part of what it takes to keep the show on the road uh, or off the road as the current case may be if you would like to support the podcast all you got to do is subscribe wherever you listen and if you have an extra minute or two, please leave a review. You can also share and follow the podcast on your social media apps. Okay, enough begging. I hope you're having fun. And once again, thank you for listening. And Jimmy Jameson seems so cool. Was he a he, cool guy? He, he was one of my favorite. He's, it was, he's, uh, he was amazing. Like when you hear him sing, you're like, oh, this rock god voice is coming out. Then you hear him talk and he's just, the Southern, he's just a good old boy. He, it, <laughs> the dude, that's exactly it. He, Ed, he would, ah, yeah, we, we had an instant connection. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things, we, you know, and if we were on the road, we, we'd hang out out. Like he and I would go hit the bar or go to a movie or something. Um, yeah, we had a, it was great. It was yeah. such a big thing that happened whenever he just, when he passed away, it was yeah. shocking and I wasn't ready for it. And no, you know, we weren't ready for it. And yeah. Everyone loved him, you know? Ugh. Yeah. So it's always hard. It was tough. That was a tough one. But, yeah. but then, like, like I said, it was kind of a blessing in a way because I got to, I networked a little bit. Yeah. And got to meet more yeah. people and yeah. jam with more people. And then got calls for other, other things too. This thing called Heart of Storm that never happened, but it did happen before. It was like this Russian ballet, rock oh, ballet. Wow. And they did it before with um, Greg Bissonnette on drums. It had like Tony Frank, Tony Franklin on bass. It had uh, Doug Aldridge on guitar, Brett, Brett wow. Woods on guitar, and um, Derek Trini on keyboards. I got the call because I auditioned for Heart. Oh, gotcha. And the guy that was doing the doing the band for that oh. was the guy from, from, from Heart. And so that's one of those things. Yeah. He remembered me. He's like, what are you doing in two days? And uh, I'm like nothing. He's like, well, learn the learn this, show up. Right. And so, and that's one. Of, it was so cool because I mean, I watched Doug Aldridge before, and I'm playing this, and and yeah. I'm playing to a track, but they, and I had two days to learn it, and it's like kind of prog stuff. Yeah. Because Shrinian was playing it, and I was like, wow, this is really cool. And you know, one of the first things I remember, Doug Doug was like, who are you, and why don't I know you? <laughs> so that that made me feel good. Yeah. So then I got the gig, and it was me, Mark Shulman from mm -hmm. drummer from pink 
Yeah, amazing. Uh, uh, Rudy Sarzo on bass. <laughs> Never heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> Freaking hero. Um, Jeff Coleman on guitar. Ridiculous. Oh, uh, yeah. And then Tony uh, Montana from Great White. Oh, wow. I was the second guitar player and Katja Reicherman on, on sax. Hmm. So we rehearsed for two weeks straight and, and nothing happened. <laughs> and, oh, and, no. and then uh, just fell apart after that. But it was one of those, uh, again, I was like, I wouldn't have never been in that circle talking yeah. to those people if it wasn't for that time in my life yeah. and the networking that I made, yeah, which was awesome. And was it also great. is like, no matter where you're going, what you're doing, if you're in this music town, kick ass every time you touch your instrument because you never know yes and that's you know i i got another call that same day <laughs> and i was exhausted by this point and uh there's a uh what's the, what's her name tal oh uh, Wilkenfeld. yeah i got the call for her to, oh. to do uh some shows she's like come over to the studio and and by this point i was burnt and mm. that's when i learned i shouldn't have done it i shouldn't have gone over there because gotcha. i was fried she was wonderful. She was great, but mm. but I I was not ready for that, and I was intimidating myself. I mean, I was intimidated in a way, but I was also like embarrassing myself because my I couldn't hear like what I wanted to. I was I had no sleep because I was doing that other like learning mm. that other prog stuff. Because I, I she, for for her she was like don't learn anything, just come over, right? Which was awesome, at the, because she's more of a vibe thing, and mm. she really wanted to see what I, what I would play if she plays whatever and again I, I probably should have waited a day or two or a week right. and, and and not been so exhausted so interesting yeah I got that was a weird call but and it, like I said thankful that I got the call but probably shouldn't have done it yeah but uh I've had a few of those well you know I've I've said it before on this podcast but I've never gotten a gig I've gotten one gig from an audition and that was a show in Disneyland but I, you know, I've, and I've done plenty of, I've done plenty of auditions. I've still managed to have a pretty good career in 20 years, you know, Yeah. but I've never, auditions are just not my thing. I hate know? auditions. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not big on them, on them either. I, I've done a few out here and, you know, I got a few, but I hate them. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I, I really do. It's just not, I've been lucky to have had people recommend me for stuff. Exactly. Yeah. You know, when it came to like Eagles of Death Metal, I got recommended. I mean, uh, Slim, J Slim Jim is friends with, you know, he's friends with those guys. He's uh, Jenny, the ba V, the bass player for Eagles of Death Metal mm -hmm. and Slim are together. And he was asking Eric Dover to do it. Got you. And I've played with Eric Dover now since 2011, every weekend almost. Right. And, uh, and Eric couldn't do it because he had a gig. And he's mm -hmm. like, call Walter because he'll know the stuff. And it, it, this was a Saturday and we had to, the first gig was on a Wednesday. <sighs> and so next thing I know, because I got the call from those guys, I'm in Connecticut <laughs> doing this uh, orchestra gig I do. I, was, I, I do some orchestra gigs. For this, mm -hmm. uh, some yeah, we have so many things oh, to gosh. break down in this moment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're flying through them. I'm but... flying. <laughs> yeah. So it's... Uh, but yeah, that's kids, cool. Well, let's talk about the the Eagles of Death Metal because they're not really death metal. First no. of all, I hadn't heard of them before, and then when I started looking at them, I'm like, oh well, Paris. I've I've heard of them sort of, you know, okay. like, you know, like, and and then I watched a bunch of yeah. Oh my gosh, they're crazy! It so, seems like a super fun gig. It's probably the funnest gig I've ever had in my life. 
It's it was it was the funnest I've been on stage probably since my own band like my own original music. Mm-hmm. It 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 was amazing, mm-hmm. and they're amazing people. You know they went th- they've gone through so much. I mean, just this couple of days ago was the fifth anniversary or sixth anniversary of the shootings in Paris. It's such a fun band. Jesse, the singer, is such a great front man. Learned a lot from him. It was just an amazing thing. I mean, I had three days to to learn everything. Mm-hmm. And they write everything in a different tuning, mm-hmm. so which wow. is it's, it's open G, but it's not because they the the low E string is also a G. So oh, yeah. basically, I had to relearn how to play guitar wow. uh, in 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 three days, and <laughs> uh, and it was great. And he, you know, I I came, I sat in with the you know the we went, met at mates with me and the drummer and the bassist, and we just played through the stuff. I had to leave because I was playing at the whiskey that night. So I'm like, I have an hour. Let's run through stuff. And this was a Tuesday. I had to be at the whiskey because I, I committed to the ultimate jam night gig, which I do every Tuesday there. I mm. did. Right. And then uh, Wednesday was the first gig with the Eagles of Death Metal, which was, it was uh, kind of a, a last minute impromptu thing they booked just because of this. that They booked down in some bar called oh, Marty's, Marty's in Newport, some little, tiny little bar. Mm, it probably, it's probably the size of this room. Right. And I think it, I think it held like 300 people. And that's the first time I meet Jesse because he wasn't at the rehearsals. And uh, actually, no, Je- I met Jesse because he showed up at Ultimate Jam a couple times. Oh, gotcha. And so I got to see him and uh, never really got to talk to him that much. But then next thing you know, I'm on stage with him, tiny little stage because it was just a kind of a warm-up gig. And uh, it was awesome. It was probably, like I said, about some of the m- most fun I've had playing on a stage because of the energy that, yeah. that the band puts out is so raw, so raw and rock and roll. Yeah. It's amazing. And, that, and then next thing you know, I'm on a plane the next morning because we fly into Vancouver and we're playing a show with Queens of the Stone Age, gotcha. which, was, which was crazy. And I get on the plane, <laughs> Jesse's sitting there and first class, of course, and I walk past and he's like, what's up, man? Great job last night. And then Josh from uh, Queens, it's, uh, he's, he, he goes, you're Walter. Wow. Jesse's told me all about you. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. This is so surreal. Because <laughs> I love that first Queens of the Stone Age record. Yeah. And everything they put out. And he co-founded the band, he, right? Isn't he originally? It's... He, he's, he's the drummer. He's right. technically the drummer for the band, you know, but. But he doesn't do many gigs. No. 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 Because he plays with Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And they went to high school together. I mean, I learned, mm-hmm. I mean, again, when you, when I joined the band, I kind of go, I kind of go into the history of stuff. Their energy is almost, it's almost theatrical in a way. It's, it's, it's a, it's a show. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. I was really uh, into it. Good. Watching it on. And the songs are great. And and yeah, one of the, one of the weirdest coincidences was I started, I got on that plane I was telling you about and I'm like, okay, we're flying to Vancouver. I'm sitting on, you know, and they have movies in the back, on the back of the chair. I'm like, right. oh, it's early, but I just want to put something on to get my mind out of stuff because I was focusing, you know, that whole week I was so learning the songs. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I just want to forget about it. Put, put on a movie. I put on Super Troopers 2. Have you seen it? <laughs> I haven't, but... But Super Troopers 2, who, but did, I, who did the soundtrack for that? Right, I know where you're going. <laughs> I had no idea that, he goes, that, that, they, that they did the uh, soundtrack. Right. And all the songs I just learned and was just playing with them I'm watching on this movie. I'm like, this is the most surreal thing that, that it was. It was coincidental, meant to I'm, be. It was awesome, and uh, and again, if it wasn't for Eric Dover, I would have never experienced that. Well, yeah. So Shane Solowski, Eric Dover, and, and Eric uh, Dover is this amazing guitar player, 
singer. He's played with uh, well, Jellyfish, my my favorite. Jellyfish. One of his credits. Um, and, and then after and, that, he had a band called Imperial Drag, which is amazing. That was his band. Oh, uh, yeah. With Roger and those guys. Right. And then... Uh, and didn't he play with Velvet Revolver? No. No. He was out with Alice Cooper oh, for... got you. Not Velvet Revolver. He sang for Slash, Snake Pit. The Snake Pit. Right, yeah. right, 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 right. So right. he did Slash, Snake Pit for a, a while. And then he was on tour as Alice Cooper's guitar player for a long time. Wow. And then... And uh, he's just crazy good. And he plays every weekend, generally, if he's not doing bigger and bigger stuff at ponchos which gig i used to play years ago for 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 a long time as well and it's like the craziest coolest bar it comes up a bit on the podcast because so many great musicians so many either have played there or play there regularly and it's i was there every wednesday night with me and coco oh cool playing acoustic coco powell who's the regular bass player for but he's also he's he's the bassist for edgar winner right yeah and uh so yeah but speaking of cool bar gigs, and you kind of mentioned this before too, that you do the ultimate jam on Tuesdays. Well, you did. Or I did. You yeah. will again once everything. So okay, let's talk about that for a second then. Uh, <laughs> at twenty fourteen fifteen, uh, uh, we I was just out on my motorcycle with with Kate. We were on the back, and they were, were like, "Let's." I heard my friends are playing at this place called Lucy's Fifty One oh, in right. Toluca Lake. In Toluca Lake, I went there too. So I said, oh, "Let's just let's see what's all about." And you know, you're at Echo Park; it's not that far. So we show up, and next thing you know, I it's who was that was uh, James Lomenzo was 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 in charge of that. That was James Lomenzo. Oh, okay, band. you know James, bass player. I don't know him. Plays with John Fogarty. Oh. Um, but he was in White Lion and he was in Black Label oh, cool. Society back in the day. Wow. Awesome. I didn't know him at the time, mm-hmm. but I met him there because I walked in and Brent Woods is on guitar, who I've met a few times. And he pointed at me. He's like, hey, man, want to sit in? And I, I forget who was, I think Kenny, it was Kenny Arnoff on drums. Oh, geez. So it's Kenny Arnoff <laughs> <laughs> playing every week. And right. so he's like, yeah, come sit in, play something. I'm like, all right. So next thing you know, I'm I'm on stage and playing this little tiny little bar. Yeah. On a what night was that? Was a I think it was Wednesdays. It was Wednesdays. Yeah. Yeah. On a Wednesday night. Because the uh, weird part about it is that jam I think used to happen at the Cat Club, and then the Cat Club closed down. Well, that that was a different jam. Okay, but that it was, was a lot of the same people. A lot of it was that, like the that, same. That was the Thursday night one. That was called uh, the Starfuckers. Right. Yeah. But I was like. You know, uh, I lived in West Toluca Lake at the time. There you go. So I would hang out on that strip or go to Lucy 51. And then all of a sudden this jam starts and it's just all these Hollywood rocker, crazy hairband guys that still dress that way. And it was like, you know, Hollywood dudes just invaded Burbank, you know? (laughs) And it was, it was really cool because all of a sudden, I mean, also everyone again is high level of playing and serious dudes that have had serious careers and they're playing in this crazy little bar in Burbank, basically, Toluca Lake. You know, it's, uh, it was a really cool thing. It was really cool because, you know, it, it was, you know, all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so-and-so, there's so-and-so. And And I'm, I'm, for me, I couldn't believe I'm playing with Kenny because, I mean, we all grew up watching him with, with John Cougar and, Mm -hmm. and, and actually one of, one of the, to go way back for a second, um, that first band I was in seventh house, uh, we were being like, um, courted by this, by a guy to, to, to want to manage us out of Pittsburgh. And he was, his name was Rich Engler. He was one of the biggest promoters in Pittsburgh. 
uh, he, you know, they would, uh, had the Caesar Angler was the promotional company. They brought in Zeppelin back in the eighties and they brought, mm. you know, they mm. were responsible for the big acts, right. McCartney every year, this and that, Billy Joel. And he was like, I want to manage you guys. But, uh, one morning he calls me up, but it's a Saturday I think. And he's like, Hey, what are you doing tonight? I'm like, we have a gig that we're playing with this regional band, uh, at this tiny little club. He's like, what do you do before that? I'm like, I'm like, I guess nothing. He's like, do you want to, do you want to play the Civic Arena, which is, the, <laughs> which is like the big arena in Pittsburgh. Right. Uh, we're uh, opening for Bob Seger. Wow. I'm like, let me call the guy. Let's figure it out. He's like, I'll pay you such and such money. I'm like, okay, cool. And we, we could still make it to the other gig if we do it. So let's do it. Wow. So we show up, my first big gig, like huge gig mm. and didn't know what to do. You know, we're used to playing in my basement, you know? And he's like, and I, we get up on stage to do a sound check. I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm cool. I just need my vocals. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and no. we're playing 18,000 people there, right. you know, for sound check. They're all like laughing. They're all, it was crazy. <laughs> so it was great, you know, but who was on drums that night? Kenny Arnoff was playing with Bob Seger. Wow. And we, we stuck around for the first, what, two or three songs. Mm. It was amazing. And then we left and we played with this band called Over the Rhine out of uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, in front Jeez. of maybe a hundred people. <laughs> it was awesome. Oh, man. it's a crazy night i remember That's that the like, coolest i remember though, it like it yes like it was yesterday because because yeah. you know the bob seeger camp was so cool to us they yeah. they, they were kind of laughing because they knew that we didn't know what we, what we were doing so <laughs> next thing you know i think they saw my confused look because you know it was awesome during sound check but then we played started playing the show i took wow. maybe two steps to my left i couldn't hear anything no oh, man so I, I the monitor guy was kind of laughing and he like, started feeding and stuff and it was, mm. it was great so <laughs> Anyway, and we got great wow. reviews. The, the the press actually yeah. gave us great reviews. Anyway, so so that happened with uh, at Toluca Lake. Next thing yeah. I know, I'm on stage with you know jamming with these guys. And then uh, a lot of times James was busy playing with John Fogarty, so he would ask Chuck Wright to come in and f- and kind of fill in. Right, that's when I I first went. Chuck was was yeah, doing it. Yeah, Chuck was he was uh, he was filling you know, basically filling in, but Chuck was mm-hmm. very organized. Got you. Chuck Chuck uh, I learned like he he would call people and said hey. He would call me up or I, somehow I got, you know, I got to know him because of that. And he would, he messaged me and said, Hey, uh, do you know this song? We're playing on doing it. I'm like, sure. So why don't, he's like, why don't you play it on guitar and sing it? So for the first couple of weeks, I'm, I'm sitting there playing, singing Saturday night by Elton John, like mm-hmm. every, every week. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, and then a couple of times I would, they, they were like, what do you want to play? So I started playing something and, and, you know became more of a jam, but, right. but, but Chuck was, he wanted to make it more organized. He wanted, yeah. he was like, let's, I'm going to bring my friend up, from, you know, August from Dennis DeYoung up here. We're right. going to get him to sing a song and yeah. we're going to get him to call. And this is the song that they're going to play. And so they were more organized, which turned into, and once Lucy's closed, uh, Chuck was like, I want to do this. And he, and he, they found Lucky Strike mm. and they did it Lucky Strike every week. And, uh, and still they would just call me up to come and do some songs. Hey, do you know this song? Do you know that song? do you want to play keys in this song for, uh, you know, and, uh, for Lazo would, you know, play, help me program keys or so this and that. Mm-hmm. And Steve then Ferlazzo. Steve Ferlazzo. Yeah. He's, and, he's on a different episode. You can listen to that. Great. <laughs> I love that guy. Um, and then, you know, and then whenever they decided to kind of part ways and move mm-hmm. to the whiskey, it was, uh, the same band. It was, uh, uh, Chuck and Mitch Perry and Matt Starr was on the drums. And Matt's like, we got to ask Walter to play keys because he can play guitar at two on the songs that need guitar or whatever. Yeah. So 
you know, they tried, I think they, they tried a few different keyboard players out for that. And uh, they were just feeling people out. And, uh, you know, and then they asked me to do it permanently, which was great. You know, yeah. I, I've, it was, it's such a f- great thing. It, they, it, it made it such a cool community. It happened every week. Yeah. It got me to play with some amazing people that I'm not, I would never have thought I would be playing with. Right. And, um, and it's cool because it is more organized. It's kind of, you know, Lucky Strike kind of went on as well. And we talked about that with the for lots of, but, um, Chuck kind of started that thing out and, and it's way more organized. It's called a jam, but it's not really, you know what you're going to do when, exactly. you, when you get there. So it's, it's, um, it's, it's a show. It's an amazing show with every musician in town and yep. my, people that will blow your mind yep. that will show up. And, yep. uh, so who are some, some of your favorites? Oh man. Well, let's see. That I actually got to back up. I mean, the first time Dee Snyder showed up, I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, and I'm playing his song and he's mm. singing it. And and then he's singing an ACDC song. You hear him and, and I'm like, wow, this guy could sing some he's ACDC. Good, he sounds really great. Sing. You know, and yeah. I've, of course, for me, I'm, I've watched, you know, what are you going to do with your life <laughs> as a kid? Yeah. And, um, yeah. and I'm sharing the stage and then, you know, I became good friends with his son who was there a lot. He would, he oh, would actually cool. fill in, fill in as a host whenever Polly couldn't do it. Because I've played it a bunch of times, but um, I would say 89% of the times I'm playing Bohemian Rhapsody. With, that's <laughs> with, the one song I get called. Yeah, with Rudy. I think I, you, you played it I had to play time. keyboards with yeah. you the one time. I think yeah. I've done it probably four or five times really? with Rudy at, at the jam over the years. That's crazy. But uh, I mean, I've played other stuff. And then we we um, in the band Waiting for Monday, which hey. maybe we should talk about. Wow. We had our, our only gig we uh, did. opening up for the jam. Yep. Playing at the whiskey, which was and, great. It turned out great. Yeah, it was so great. I mean, thanks to again a lot of work that you did putting some tracks together last I did. minute. And <laughs> I did, and because uh, I don't, we never even rehearsed. Nope. It was just like, okay, we're doing these songs. Make sure you know them. Sound check. <laughs> Let's run through two at sound check and do yeah. it. Yep, that's what it was. I mean, yes. So if, if we want to go, uh, well, it, well, before we get off of it though, it's but it's it's a lot of work. It must be because you do have to learn stuff every week. I did. It was tough. I mean, I, when I first started doing it, and luckily, you know, they provided me, you know, with some keyboards and this right. and that, and then like uh, backline, some backline yeah. stuff here and there. But I, you know, as a keyboard player, I would program my stuff on main stage, which is you know a program people use for keyboards. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you know, I'm on the road. I was not still playing with with I had the Tiger Band at the time, <laughs> and uh, they're like we're doing these songs and then such and such is going to come and play keyboards and so-and-so is going to come and play keyboards too. So then I'm find myself programming sounds on an right. airplane or, or I'm in the hotel room or learning the songs. Right. I mean, that's a great band, a great gig. It, it helped me hone my craft when it yeah. comes to certain things. And, and plus they would give me, they were like, Hey man, do you want to sing these songs? I'm like, great. It's perfect for me. Cause I, I mean, I'm yeah. trying, I'm trying to become a better singer at the right. same time. So <laughs> it's just funny to me if, if you hear you sing, uh, well, whatever. <laughs> good luck with that, man. You're pretty good. Uh, I don't know how much better you're going to get, but I don't know. About, I don't know about that. Check them out on YouTube. It's uh, walterino.com. <laughs> I'm actually working on my website. So I, oh, I still don't okay. have a website, but it's, it will be walterinomusic.com. Cool. Excellent. But, uh, and, but I did start a YouTube channel, so check yeah. that out too. Yeah. I wanted to talk about that too, because you, um, I mean, I guess really quick, there's so many things to talk oh, about and shoot. I don't want to keep you here all night. Oh, but, it's whatever. <laughs> um, but, uh, well, I mean, since you brought it up though, the YouTube channel. It, yeah. I basically started that. I mean, I started one under my studio name, but I never did anything with it. 
mm-hmm. a, a YouTube channel. There's one video of up of me doing a cover of Butch Walker song. Right. But um, uh, once, but you you do a lot of covers like just by yourself. I just playing start, all the instruments. I just and, started. Yeah, it's I mean, super cool. March first, I moved into a, 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 my new studio space in North Hollywood, and then uh, you know, and then the pandemic hit and yeah. shut everything down a week and a half later. So I'm like, well, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, for ex- as experiment, I kind of I said, oh, maybe just lay down a cover of of so I could f- figure out my room, I could figure out what I, where I want to put drums and this and that, and try to figure out how, what I like. So I did met at work yes. song. Yeah. I did uh, Overkill, and I yeah. played every instrument and sang it and this and that. And people were like, "What the?" You know, I got some great reaction from people, even people back home in Pittsburgh. They're like, "I can't. I didn't know no, you did all that." <laughs> which was you know and i haven't like again i haven't touched a saxophone and you know forever i mean i would right. mess around with it once in a while but i never i was never good at it no. except except for concert band in high school and stuff like that right so it was fun for me and then next thing you know someone's like well why don't you you know people are like what are you gonna do next what are you gonna do next i'm like oh i guess i gotta do something next <laughs> you know and then yeah. i did a king's x song and people were, were, were like oh my goodness you know yeah. whatever and so I, I, it's hard for me to find time to really do it because I, mm. I, cause I, I'm, I'm really bad at editing video. Oh, uh, you know, it takes me a long time to, right. I, I don't even know what I'm doing. I throw everything in, <laughs> in iMovie and just kind of do it. But yeah, you well, know. it's cool. I mean, it doesn't need, I mean, one of them I saw, I think everything was pretty static. Just, yeah, that's when I saw like, it's fascinating uh, because you, you have to watch it over and over. To, okay. Let's watch him do this this time. Really? You, know? and, uh, you do that? I think it's, I mean, I don't, I'm saying one would. <laughs> you think I don't have that kind of time. I don't, I don't have any gigs right now. What, what am I talking about? Yeah. Um, yeah. But, so, uh, but also the covers that you pick are pretty, it's super eclectic and, and pretty awesome. You did the Tears for Fears team. Yeah. I, I, so cool. I, I had Jim Wheeler on it too. Right? Yeah. Because I don't Guy have a, because I don't have a soprano sax. And, right. and I was like, that's my first uh, collaboration when it came to, yeah. when it came to. And uh, you did one with Zach Throne as well. Zach, we did that, uh, that song, uh, that Rainbow song or whatever, Since You've Been Gone song. Yeah. And then, and Coco, cool. Coco and I just did one. Oh, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, zombie song. Yeah. So, I mean, I want to I want to do more, but I have a young kid, yeah. so yeah. it's been hard. So, for how me. long does it take you, minus the video editing? How much just to do the song? Oh, if if I know the song, I I'll track it in. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't spend a lot of like I I did it so I could practice doing getting things done quickly. Mm-hmm. So it. when it comes to mics and I, if I wanted to play bass, I want to make sure I know what I'm doing. So that's right. kind of why I did it at first, just mm-hmm. as an experiment, and so. Uh, you know, if I knew the song, like that first song, I did everything in one night. Uh, King's uh, King's X song, I did everything in one night, but it took me about three days to practice the drums because I, I before I even tried recording it because I never played drums on it. Mm. And so, that's not super easy. No. I, that one was challenging. So some of the songs, I mean, you know, I did a Toad the Brett Sprocket song, which I play, I've known all my life. So that song. Yeah, so I, I, I laid it down every part. Maybe maybe four hours tracking all the oh, instruments, yeah. and then I would take it home and mix it the next morning um, oh, yeah. on my laptop while, oh, okay. while my kids asleep. <laughs> you know, and then but then you know, but I would film. I I use my phone and film myself doing every part. Right, and so right. that's that's been fun. Yeah, I, that's that's cool. I mean, yeah, I mean. So if it's what else are we gonna do? If, if there's something you want to hear, maybe that, maybe you and I could do a song. Oh, that'd be fun. There you go. There you go. I give you. I gave you the call. <laughs> Finally. So yeah, all you all you <laughs> listeners out out there, 
Yeah. All three of you. I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, exactly. All three of you guys out there. What, I know what, you're being what, too kind. <laughs> <laughs> what do you what do you want? What do you want to hear me and Eric do? Yes. You awesome. Go. You can email fanmail at divebarrockstar.com. There you go. Or, or you, Facebook harass me. I don't care. There you go. <laughs> Call me. Of course, I'm playing bass on it. So uh, <laughs> no, that'd be fun though. <laughs> because I'm, you know, I'm I'm also multi-instrumentalist. I don't do it live like you do. You know, that's the thing. Like I do a lot of library stuff. I just did yeah. a bunch of yacht rock stuff, you really? know, and, and uh, I did a metal, a bunch of metal stuff, you know, Dude. so I got my, you know, my, 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 uh, strat over here there and you go. my telly there. So, you know, I, I see it like, you know, I'm not, but I'm still not the kind of guy that's like going to get on stage. I'll stay in here where I can take a, a few takes to get the parts, ah. you know, but, uh, I haven't uh, been ballsy enough to to get out and do anything. I mean, when I, I used to play my original band, I used to play guitar. Oh yeah. I, I played acoustic guitar and then had a band behind me, you know, but there you go. Um, which I hope to do again. Cause I'm just, I got to play something. Even have to book my own gig now. I don't know what to do. See, I don't know where it'll be, but I figured, I figured, I mean, luckily I started doing that, you know, yeah. 2015, you know, lucky strike was the only thing that was happening on Wednesday nights. So I started, I decided, you know, at that point I'm going to start doing my originals again. Cool. So, I took some, a bunch of the old songs that I used to have with my old band and I, I'm actually writing some new stuff right now, actually. Oh, okay. But I got Joe Travers on drums and Shane mm-hmm. was on bass and, you know, we started playing uh, and people would show up. It was great on on a Monday night, you know, yeah. on, on, uh, on uh, down in North Hollywood or something at Skinny's or, yeah. or somewhere. Uh, and, That's a cool spot. Or uh, Molly Malone's or something mm-hmm. we've done. So it was really fun for a while because I was like, man, I get to play some music. I'm not, you know, not to, not to make any money, but I I get to sing my own songs again for a while. Yeah. It was great. Something writers have to do, you know, like for me, I just, there's just nothing that feels better than getting out and singing your own songs. Well, maybe there's things that (laughs) there, maybe he's playing in front of 80,000 people or something, you know, with a band that you love that, that could be feel, feel better, but there's just something we have to do, you know, like, yeah, you know I mean, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a scary thing. Yeah. Because, you know, it's intimidating, like you said, you know, yeah. and, and it's, there's a self-consciousness yeah, that, that, that you get, especially like, again, being the network that we're in mm-hmm. and people would show up. Yeah. And then you're playing in front of so-and-so and it's like, yeah. oh my gosh, they're going to, they, they actually came out to hear my songs. Yeah. And hopefully they like it, you know, that type right. of thing. So, so and yeah, I'm really trying to do that now, now, now that there's time. I yeah. mean, I just finished a, a song that I'm really happy about and I, I'm trying to mix it. So I'm a, yeah, I, I could, I could mix other people's music all day and be fine. But mm-hmm. when it comes to my own, I, yeah. I can't do it. I think especially if you're singing it because you get to you're you're subconsciously hearing things in your voice that you don't like. Yeah. And you're not gonna mix it right. It's you one know of those I things. Mean? But, I mean I'm I run into the same thing. It's yeah. like, uh But I unfortunately I can't afford to pay anyone to, to do it. I so, know. So, so we so we do it. So I have to <laughs> so I have to do it right now. So hopefully yeah. uh, in the next couple of months you'll you know, I might release some stuff. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, well, there's a couple of songs I wanted to talk about on the Waiting for Monday record there you that, go. that we've done. There's been a couple of episodes about it with Rudy in August so far. And and uh, Joe Travers actually was um, wonderful. We didn't really talk much about the record, but uh, he's going to be next week's episode. So anyways, um, and that's the band, me and you and, and those guys. But yep. uh, um, you ended up producing the whole thing. And, um, did, did I? <laughs> and it sounds great. 
Well, thanks. Um, but you also wrote a couple of songs, um, starting with one more round, right? That was what I wanted that's to talk the, about. Yeah, first. that's the first one uh, I showed Rudy. Uh, Rudy came over after he's like, I, you know, I forgot how it all happened. I think, was it Rudy in August or was it Jeff Scott Soto in August? It might have been Jeff that came up to me at the whiskey. And they're like, you know, we got this project. Uh, we need, might need someone to play keyboards on. I think that's how it started. Mm -hmm. And then uh, maybe it was Rudy. I forget. I yeah. guess what, I well, I'm dying to hear your side of the story because Rudy's story is different from August and different <laughs> from my, what I remember. So let's let's just... when, it, when it comes to me. No, just the whole band. Oh, how, yeah. how it all came together. Well, I just know that <laughs> August and somebody. It might have been Rudy, yeah. but it might have been Jeff. Yeah, came Jeff up to Scott me. Soto. If you've heard other episodes, he's sort of the he's the A and R guy essentially, that, the scout for, uh, for he brought for in tears. August and Rudy. Yeah, and they said, uh, you know, we might need someone to play keyboards on it, and maybe, uh, you know, and then it turned into, hey, do you have any songs? <laughs> and it turned into whatever, and so Rudy came over, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I might have some ideas that I've never finished, so I played him that song, waiting for uh, what was it called? One, uh, more round, one more round. One more round. And I actually wrote that back in 2013. Mm -hmm. And I never, you know, I never finished it. I never wrote verses for it. I came up with a hook and uh, the rest of the music, all the music for it. I, I demoed it in a hotel room in Oklahoma, I think. Somewhere. Mm -hmm. I was on the road with Survivor and I wrote this song because I thought um, it was, I, I heard Jimmy Jameson you know, I was in a band with Jimmy James and I'm like, mm -hmm. this, this voice would be great for this. I started thinking maybe I can, maybe I can, can contribute some songs to, if they want to start working on stuff. Right. So I wrote it and came up with a hook. Cause I thought one more round, that's kind of, you know, they're not, they're kind of known for a couple of boxing movies. Right. <laughs> and I figured that might be kind of cool, but it also could be more universal thinking, uh, being at a bar. Or whatever, you know, one more mm -hmm, round. Mm -hmm. And so I thought it, and it, and the riff kind of rocked a little bit. And I, you know, I programmed drums on, well, I think I, did I demo it? In, I demoed it in Logic. So I just kind of programmed drums right there, then mm -hmm. there when I demoed it. And I had some like melodies and I said, I, what I gave Rudy was very rough skeleton of, of it. And he thought it was great and he's like this is awesome man like but that's raise the key because i wrote it in a like an a flat i think i was in because for my right. voice i was demoing it i remember i remember demoing it in my hotel room because i was holding 58 and it was trying to be really quiet because i was in a room <laughs> it's probably three in the morning but when i was when i was going Are you ready for one more i was trying to <laughs> sing it really quietly right uh, in my in my hotel room right so that's that song and it turned into you know rudy just crushing it uh, yeah. on uh uh you know he's like raise the key so we put it up in b and a, a minor because he's a show off like he's that. yeah i'm like yeah i, sh I should have said what are you gonna do live anyway. but uh, i'm really happy that song was on the record and you know yeah. I, thought, I thought it rocks we, it was fun that was fun whenever you were there and we all did all the harmonies yeah i was gonna say you did a great like breakdown video on your youtube channel I did. about it where you were pulling up different vocals that yeah. we had done and uh, that to make up the big gang vocal that come yeah. that you hear on the record. It's you know? fun. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's a fun one, and that, you know I'm really happy about that one. Yeah. yeah.
And then the other one that I, I really love, I mean, I love them all, but um, Found You Now. Yeah. That's your song as well. Yeah. Well, I never had lyrics for it. So the God. lyrically, that's Rudy or if, right. if it was Rudy and whoever writing the words. Mm -hmm. But I had the music. I had the music for years because in, again, in like, well, not years, but for the band I was in, the Eye of the Tiger band, mm -hmm. uh, I would I would be getting ready to play one of the big songs. They had a big ballad called uh, The Search Is Over. Huge, Thanks. huge song. Mm -hmm. And Jimmy's voice on that was just amazing. But, yeah. but before that, they would all leave stage and I would play this keyboard solo. And it was just, Ooh. yeah, ridiculous. Like, you know. I played this, I had something, I, I always improvised it a little bit, but I always had some kind of map and I would do some things. And uh, so it was like a six minute thing where they can go backstage and get changed. Oh man. And, and go get some water or this and that. Right. And I'm up on stage, nothing, nobody else but me. And then I would always kind of come in and cue them. And so I came up with this little riff, which turns out to be the opening riff for um, Found, you know that would lead me into the intro for the search is over. Right. And so they started hearing me do that every night. And, and then Jimmy started coming out early and started singing along with it oh. on stage. And then even Cameron started doing that later too, uh, uh, after Jimmy and it turned into this thing. And in a couple of times, the guitar player would come out and kind of noodle around while I was doing this riff mm -hmm. and it turned into that. And I, and I started playing that for Rudy. Cause I've always knew that I wanted to write something for Jimmy's voice for that. Mm -hmm. and 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 see where see where it went but i never finished it so Ru rudy was like that we got we got to work on that we got to work on that so i i send him what i had and then i we went from idea to idea and then i changed the chords for the verse and then and then i was like you know what we need at the end we need that lighter moment you know we need that moment with the lighters so i said yeah. oh, so i that's when i wrote the the other the thing at the end so right. i mean i probably have every demo of it like as we were in my studio just kind of mapping it out mm -hmm. somewhere I, I you know i should make a youtube video on, on on that song for that would be awesome yeah so but that's where that started even with the babies now i i started uh i was playing i've been playing with the babies mm -hmm. and there's another uh, i i do this keyboard intro for what's their song every time i think every, every time i think so they asked me to do a little bit of a keyboard thing and mm -hmm. i started doing that at first i'm like you know i shouldn't do that because now it's on a record so I changed what I was doing, but I, it, because, because it became so ingrained in me that that's, a, it, it's such a cool little thing that I could do in any key because right. Jimmy would sing, uh, we, for, after a while we changed keys for, for Jimmy's voice for some of the songs. Mm, right. And then, um, but then whenever Cameron came back and we went back to the original keys. So, but it's one of those things like it's such an easy little four or five, six turnaround little riff right. that, I thought, you know, it was great. No matter what key is in, I could transpose it no matter what I was doing. So that's yeah. why I started doing it with the babies. And it's like, but now we recorded the song and changed it. And so. Well, now you're just begging people to ask you, hey, what's that from? Oh, it's Waiting for Monday. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it felt like any day The moment that she walked in And looked my She was looking for two hearts beating fast. 
was such a fun record to make. I mean, they're like, who do you want on drums? I said, well, if I'm going to be any part of this, I'm going to call Travers. Yeah. And, uh, and I sent him all the rough tracks. I, I, I remember sending, I'm like, this is what I love about Joe and why I love working with him. Um, Again, and I'm. Uh, it wasn't for if it wasn't well if it wasn't for Al Kim, I wouldn't know Joe Travers. Uh-huh. So I got a shout out to Al because <laughs> Al had this great bar up in Valencia called Liquid Volume for a while that he was working at. And uh, Al Kim, I, another bass player, a great bass player. And next thing you know, he had me playing with Joe Travers, and Joe, <laughs> Joe and I have been friends ever since. Anyways, I sent Joe all of the songs with Click Track so he could kind of get to know it. <laughs> And we showed up. We recorded it at, at we recorded drums at Shane's studio, Blue Suede Studios, right up the street. Mm. And he's and Joe's like, ah, I didn't get the chance to listen to any of it. <laughs> so he, he's like, just let's just play through it. I'm gonna make notes. And this is why Joe is the greatest because he's a musical monster. Yeah. And he played everything pr- what was supposed to be. You know, there's a couple yeah. of things, a couple of things where I had to, I was talking in his ear. I'm like, you know, make sure you hit the riff on, uh, hit this on the floor or whatever, the fill or the, the hits. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my funnest memories in the studio was just tracking him because what, what's with a song that you wrote that I totally changed the feel of and ruined it for you? What, what's that? <laughs> what, uh, uh, pick Your Lies. Pick Your Lies. Yeah. And uh, at the end where I'm like, just go off. You yeah. know, I said, you know what? He refinished tracking it. And he would read his little, he had his, he has a, ver, he has a way of writing down what he needs to do mm-hmm. and his, his own way. And, it was, yeah. and I learned so much that from him that day, he's cause he listened to it once, played again. All right. Listened to it twice. All right, let's do it. Yeah. And then he would nail it. Yeah. And you came in, uh, you, yeah, came, I, you guys I, came in. Right. Yeah. So, but I've worked with Joe before too. Of so course. yeah, he's, 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 the, a, he's a monster. He's a monster. And I mean, he plays Zappa, you know, so. Our little songs are not not a big exactly deal. <laughs> exactly, and but then even but even on the bridge of found you now, mm-hmm. he's like I got an idea because he, he wasn't sure what he was going to do, and he mm-hmm. he's like I uh, he does that little open hi hat thing and hits the snare and tom, and he's like I'm taking this right off. I forget who he said it was. Uh, what's your name? Not Johnny Mitchell, a Ricky Ricky Lee Jones type thing. Oh. And so he on the bridge when the string or when the orchestra part happens, he's like I'm going to do this, and it's like it was perfect. I was like I can't believe this guy. <laughs> So it was one of those great moments, you know, just, yeah. and he did all the songs in two days. Mm-hmm. He did five in, or whatever, six in one day and then five in the next. Cause day. we couldn't afford him for any longer than that. No. And, and, <laughs> and thank God for him because he, he just came yeah. and his attitude's always great. And yeah. He crushed it. And, and that's why you hire guys like that. You know, you know it's going to save you money in the end. Just pay a little extra money and get the guy who knows what the hell he's doing. And then in the studio, you know what I mean? And he, I mean, you know, I'm, I, I, I take pride in knowing how to edit drums and everything on Pro Tools. And mm-hmm. <sighs> there's so much that I didn't have to do yeah. with him because mm-hmm. he's so great. Yeah. That's awesome. You mentioned the orchestral stuff, which we could probably talk forever about. But sure. one of the shows that you did was a Raiding the Rock Vault. Oh, that's not an orchestra show. Oh, okay. No, that's, that's, uh, that's a great show. That's a different show. Uh, Raiding the Rock Vault is awesome. Um, I got called because Robin McCauley is in that. Gotcha. And that started off, I guess, I don't know the exact history, but I know Doug Aldridge and um, some people were involved with that initially, but it became a a huge hit show in Vegas. But what I wanted to ask you about is it also said that it it ran in Branson. Yes. Did you play those shows? I did. 
So what did you see? My wife is from Springfield, just oh, 40 minutes away. Great. And so I've been to Branson a couple of times. I love Branson. It's the strangest experience it's in, crazy. in a lot of ways. <laughs> and I wondered what your take on Branson was. I The show is interesting, but really what I want you yeah, what, well, I, what I want to know is what do you think of Branson? I actually really like Branson. Especially because, with a rock group. That's, it, it, it was different. I don't know if people, I mean, I, I, I went there the second time it showed up. And and Got they it. would use a theater, uh, you know, and then do it for a week or whatever, mm-hmm. or two weeks. And I was um, the second one. Uh, I came. I, I I didn't play keyboards the first time. Uh, I I played key. I only played play keyboards for that show. So Robin McCauley was was my contact for that. But if, but if it wasn't for Survivor, if it wasn't if it was for that, I wouldn't be playing with the babies right now because. Uh, John Bisaha, who's the singer for the babies, mm-hmm. happened to be one of the singers to fill in on for the Rating the Rockball show. Oh, wow. And so he remembered me and asked me to play keyboards for them. The orchestra shows are completely different. I got called to fill in. It was Mark Slutsky, drummer, who mm-hmm. I knew um, pre- before, I, before I even moved here. He called me to see if I could fill in on keyboards for this orchestral show that... Um, Curtis uh, Kieber was MD4. I don't know if you know who he is. Mm-hmm. He's uh, he plays with um, Grace Potter. Oh, now cool, amazing, amazing. Yeah, gig. That's called a Night of Symphonic Rock. Produ- gotcha. The producers, a guy named uh, Stephen Cook. He's out of Dallas, Texas. He produces these shows, and he has a bunch of different shows. One's called A Night of Symphonic Rock. One's called um, Rewind, Music of the 80s. One's right. called uh, Cirque Musica, which is a holiday show that happens every year. Well, not this year, but um, so it's to make a long story short, <laughs> orchestra stuff. And I'll get back to the Branson question for, in a second. <laughs> uh, cool. The way it works is uh, Slutsky coming for that gig. The conductor who was on that show, and that was the Night Symphonic Rock. I had Lou Graham singing. Yeah. It had Mickey Thomas singing. It had um, crazy. Terry Nunn from Berlin Terry singing Nunn. and uh, Robin McCauley. And so the four of them would be on stage. We'd play the, their music and it was great. And the conductor from that show flew in from New York City because he does Broadway uh, stuff. He remembered me because I, because he's like, that guy knows how to play keyboard sounds. He knows how to program sounds Got and it. get them right. Mm-hmm. So he called me to do this other gig this Cirque Music gig, because we they need someone to program keyboards and get some soundscape music just to, for these circus performers while they, while the or- orchestras play. So then, and then they started trusting me in the producers, like, do you want to, can you score? I said, sure, I'll give it a try, which I've never, I haven't done since I was in, probably in high school orchestra or whatever. And I never really, wow. you know, and so I just learned how to do it. And then, you know, and we, what's the process of learning how to orchestrate? That's really funny. Oh, uh, I'll, I'll give it a try. I mean, you're yeah. talking about an orchestra symphony. Yeah. So 60 P they told me what the pieces were, mm-hmm. what, what instruments were going to be, you know, how many viola players, how many cellos, how many, this and that. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, and they were like, at first it was like, you know, known songs. So I, I did like, um, like we had, they wanted to do Freebird. Mm-hmm. with the orchestra and it was great and it was fun because i'm like okay what can the timpani do what can the uh right. what the can the percussionist do because by that point i've played i've played with the 60 piece orchestra already not or- doing it right but i got to know what to what to expect i started thinking well some of the stuff has strings like we wanted i forget what song i did that already had strings so i'm like i'll just cop the lines just and, and or- transcribe transcribe that yeah. yeah, which i've done 
which we you know had to do. Mm-hmm. But then you know some of the stuff is like let's add stuff, let's add you know little things here, or, or let's edit this, or let's what if the strings like on Freebird for instance, I've had the whole string line. If you ever if you ever played Freebird on bass, yeah, yeah. like the exact notes. I'm from Denver, man. Like, the exact notes. Uh, maybe I don't probably. I I I transcribe that for the for the because because I, I you know I have to I have to write all the the parts. Mm-hmm. For for every band member, the band that gets hired, because sometimes not the same bass player would be there. Right. So I I, I transcribe the bass line note for note, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. Yeah. He never he never plays anything twice the same. Wow. And then there's that run that goes do 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 do. So I had yeah, yeah, yeah. I had the, every string uh, part do that, but then I would, but then later on, like as it's go, building even more, I, I'm thinking, well, what if I counterpoint? What if I do this? So mm-hmm. bass is going up, and the ball that they're all doing that, and then the the you know I I think I added like cymbal swells or snare swells or whatever mm. so it's one of those things you try to hear it and yeah. then and at the same time i'm as i'm charting or orchestrating it um you're you're programming it onto the thing and putting the sound on uh, on a either logic or gotcha. whatever so program so, okay. so, you, so you can kind of hear what you're doing right and i that's what i and then you send that demo version to the band so they so they can kind of hear what's going on got you so yeah it's it was such a great learning experience it's yeah. a lot of work and uh but it was great because it, it got, they were like, well, you know, last year I couldn't do the tour, but they were like, well, why don't you write two pieces for it? So I, for the Cirque Musica tour. Mm-hmm. So I wrote two pieces uh, that I just came up with. And then even the, the star unicycle uh, guy mm-hmm. hit me up privately and he said, can you write something for my, my show that I'm doing in Russia? Oh, wow. So I wrote a, a, a three section piece, which I, I love. I got. I mean, I I played all the instruments for it, and he he wanted to record it, but he also so that he could use it as a recording. But he also needed the charts for it so that the twenty seven piece band in Russia could play it, mm-hmm. and it was great. And I, you know, and it was it's one of those things. I'm really happy and proud that I, that I could play with Eagles of Death Metal and whoever else, LA Guns or whatever. Mm-hmm. But also and at, and play the whiskey. But at the same time, I'm I'm learning orchestration. And, yeah. And how to how to chart and whatever you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. it, it's one of those things, trial by fire, and it worked, and they liked it, so they kept on hiring me to do it. So wow, well, that's amazing, man. I I think it's fair to say you're probably a musical genius. I'm not, and <laughs> well, you are in my mind, anyways. Wow. And I uh, really appreciate you coming on the podcast and talking to me all about it. I appreciate it too, man. Um, it's been really fun. I, I, I was I was going to say, did you run out of real musicians to to, <laughs> to interview? And <laughs> I mean, we're getting to the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, man. Seriously, no. I mean, who, who turned who, who said no? And now you have to call me. <laughs> I, I, no. I I appreciate it, and uh, you know, it's been great getting to know you these past few years. And that's what I was going to say too. We, we don't know each other that well. No. You know, I've, I'd heard of you. Actually, the first time I ever met you, I was really drunk and uh, we were, uh, we Where were was that? residuals. And uh, Oh my God, that was and, that? And we were doing, you were playing in the live band karaoke. Yeah, karaoke. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, a friend of mine would be like, Waldorino's playing at residuals. We got to go. Who I'm said like, that? Who okay. was, I can't remember. Oh, well, Val. Valerie. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, Val. Yeah, yeah. All those people. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the Disney crew, you know? Yeah. I, I thought, exactly. Yeah. Did you come over to Disney once when I was playing with um was that Rudy? I was yeah, playing I, I was playing bass for that what was that band called? With Todd McCool and Oh with oh Brenda what was that band called? Instant replay. I was oh, I was the bass yeah, player for right, that band. That's right. In fact, I saw you play. Yeah. But I didn't know you. No, no. Because uh, I was doing Mad T for You were doing Mad T. And, and uh, I didn't know anything. You know, Pat Leon asked me if I wanted to try out for 
mad tea and i was like i don't, I don't do makeup dude sorry <laughs> you know <laughs> now that was a learning lesson for I, me as I, well I, I said i said i can't do it but i was you know i'm if it wasn't for okay no we're, we're, we're supposed to be done but uh if it wasn't for pat leon who i ended up on a gig somehow oh, at the funny. light at the lighthouse in hermosa who was mm. on that a guy named todd mcleod Todd oh, Mc Todd McLeod. Yeah. Uh, I used to play with him at Poncho's a lot. Yeah. So, and, anyway, if it wasn't for somebody, Jenna Oberly recommended me to Pat Leon or something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, if it wasn't for Pat, he's like, well, why don't you play? The, uh, we need someone to fill on a guitar for uh, 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 Disney. Mm -hmm. Robert Stevens, I guess, couldn't do something or somebody. So next thing I know, I'm playing guitar for Tomasino. Yeah, and then no, they, Tom Cena, and then the next course. thing, and then the next thing you know, they find out I play keyboards. So I had to fill in on keyboards for Tomasino. And then I think I played you wow. know it yeah. became a different I, I never jumped into the disney hole right but i liked and the fact we, we both sort of we dipped our toe in dipped the toe in. <laughs> I, I i love i mean it was great it's yeah it was just fun to get the call it and is a lot of really cool interesting people and, absolutely. Gr and great musicians amazing and, musicians yeah and and well that's the other thing about you as far as being on the show is that you're such an example of really what a working musician looks like Ugh. it's not it's not festivals for eighty thousand people every day no and it's also not crappy bar gigs every day yeah. you know but it's a, it's a fun mix of all of them and if you can figure out how to enjoy every one of those things at least enough yeah. to make your living then exactly. uh, you know, I don't know. Somehow we all keep going when there's no pandemic going on. Somehow we all pay the rent. Absolutely, you know? <laughs> absolutely. So. so it's an honor to have you on. I appreciate and it. to get to know you. But and that was the point. We we don't really know each other that well. We kind of just really got to know each other. Late, you know, yeah. with the waiting for money thing, exactly Monday thing. But you know, I can't wait till things get started again and we can do some more music together. Well, Likewise, we're at least going to do a cover on your YouTube we are. channel. Let's do it. Let's we'll talk. We'll figure it out. Okay. And then I'll tell you what I think about Branson. All right. Oh, shit. <laughs> Branson was great. That's all I can say about that. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Man, what a great dude. And just uh, the ultimate utility guy. And if you've never heard that term, by the way, it's just another name for multi-instrumentalist. And I think I made a Freudian slip there when I said waiting for money instead of waiting for Monday. I'm not, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm just saying buy, buy a waiting for Monday record because we, you know, need, we need the help. Any, any little help can, would be great at this point. And that really goes for all musicians. You know, it's getting, it's getting a little challenging doing this show in this continued COVID shutdown situation because you know, my original intent was to pass on some lessons and the stuff that had been passed on to me when I got into the industry and, you know, all the experiences that I've had, I wanted to, it's sort of my duty, I think, to pass those to the next generation or to anyone who wanted to get into the music industry. But now that there is no music industry and, uh, you know, it just keeps on going way, uh, much longer than I think any of us thought in the beginning. It's just, it, it's sort of shifting where I feel like the show should go and, and turning it more into a tribute to these guests and to these great musicians and, and guys that have had really great careers. And, um, cause I, I have a lot of admiration for anyone who will take on music as a living cause it's not easy and it's not always fun and it can be the most incredible thing in the world, but it's, it's, it's hard. And now it's, it's impossible and it's the holidays and we can't do what we love and we can't, 
spend money. You know, we can't be making money the way that we like to. And it's a, it's a hard time to be struggling like this. So my heart goes out to all my fellow musicians and I hope you're enjoying the show and I'm going to, you know, continue to pay tribute to musicians and music people everywhere. So I hope you had fun. Wow, you've made it to the end. I'm hoping it's because you completely enjoyed yourself and are now filled with knowledge and inspiration to move forward with your dreams. If that is the case and you would like to stay informed of new episodes, live events, and general news, please go to divebarrockstar.com and sign up for the mailing list. If you have any questions, comments, corrections, or complaints about anything you hear on the show, please email me at fanmail at divebarrockstar.com and you may even end up on the show. We at the Dive Bar Rockstar Podcast, with all of our hearts, thank you for listening, and remember, it's all about dreams. 